G'day everyone, welcome to the Outback Packers podcast, the podcast where two mates from all the way across the world have yarn talking Packers football and the green and gold. I'm Nick Gregory, joined by my co-host Joe Pearson, as we watch the Packers play the same game for the seventh week in a row. It's feeling a bit like Groundhog Day, um, not exactly in the way I would have wanted this season to play out. You know, we're about halfway through the season and it just feels like we're kind of seeing the same things over and over and over and over again. <laughs> but uh, I feel like Groundhog's Day, man. I I feel like Bill Murray and I just wake up hearing Sonny and Cher every morning and <laughs> same game over and over again. Where's the uh, rush, runs by Jones? Where's the consistency by Rodgers? Why are the why is the defense only playing a half a game? Uh, it's drivel, drivel. I tell you, drivel. <laughs> think you'd hear drivel and absolute drivel. Yeah, and so before we get get into that, as we always do, let's get into the weekly catch up. So, starting at the NFC. I think, you know, there is a little bit of comfort in our despair. Take a look to the friendly neighborhood Bucks, Tom Brady. You know, <laughs> things aren't going very well for them either. And I think in a lot of ways, they're kind of like a, like looking in a mirror, you know, it's kind of like, you know, the the quarterback who's been so good and really MVP caliber play the past two years, you're kind of falling off a little bit. You know, the O-line's not doing well. It's supposed to be a fantastic defense, kind of not playing up to the standard. And, you know, you know, you thought it was bad for us losing to the Jets and um, and the Giants. The Bucks just lost to the Panthers, and like not just lost, like they got smacked by the Panthers. I mean, like these these guys are supposed to be having a fire sale. They're supposed to be tanking, and they just absolutely smacked around the best quarterback of all time. You know, I would I, I would I would never would have thought that would have happened. Well, it's. It seems a little bit more weird with the Bucks because at least Tom Brady's got his target. You know, he's got a Mike Evans, whereas yeah. the Packers really don't have anything. Well, I, I won't say they don't have anything, but they don't have that top guy like Devontae or Mike Evans or something like that. So, it, uh, who knows? I mean, there's a bunch of drama coming out with Tom Brady, so maybe that's what's yeah. affecting his play a little bit, but... Yeah. You know, it's his own fault. He pulled a farve. I'm going to retire. I'm going to retire. Oh, no, never mind. I changed my mind. I'm back. I'm <laughs> here. Focus on me. So, I, it, it is. I mean, the NFC has just sucked. I, yeah. The Eagles, I, we keep saying this week in and week out, but the Eagles are the top team to beat or to, you know, go against. They which is weird because everybody had wrote off Jalen Hurts last year. So, I mean, I didn't. I didn't, you know. I'm always right. I know, but all the the talking head media was, you know, Jalen Hurts isn't very good. The the Eagles need to draft a quarterback. So, yeah, it's it's weird. And, I, I mean, I hate harping on it week after week, but, the the AFC looks like the division to beat, and the NFC looks like a trash bin. A I think, street. yeah, I think this season is kind of. I hate to call it now, and not even halfway through the season, but it really feels like another one of those seasons where the real Super Bowl is the AFC Championship. I mean, that um, that Bills 
versus Chiefs game last year was just absolutely insane. Well, it is. Sorry, I mean, sorry, like this. Sorry, la- <laughs> sorry. Last week, last week, not last year. Now you confuse the hell out of me, Nick. What the hell? <laughs> I mean, here I don't even pay attention to half these games, and now you're confusing me by telling me last year, not last week. <laughs> I was gonna go with it, um, but the Bills have really—if you had to take a team that's done a complete rebuild and took them forever to do it—that'd be the Buffalo Bills, and they're thriving right now. Yeah. Uh, off the top of my head, I can't even think who's their head coach. Um, oh God, Sean McDermott. It's really bad that I've forgotten and, that. He, he's he's really good. And he came out of where? He was, um, I thought he was a Belichick guy. Hold on, we'll search this up. Oh, that don't make sense because Belichick guys don't succeed. <laughs> um, because obviously he's got quite a defensive-minded head coach. Um, he... Yeah, that would make sense because they got a hell of a defense, but they've also got a hell of an offense. So who's their offensive coordinator? Um, oh, God, this is really embarrassing. <laughs> Come on now, you're supposed to have this shit when I say it. <laughs> yeah, okay. So he's actually he's a sorry, so he he was he was a defensive coordinator for the Eagles and defensive coordinator for the Panthers. Um he yeah. I okay, I don't that actually, makes a little bit sense. Yeah. So for for those of you listening, I didn't properly get like super deep into the NFL until about 2016, 2017. So I, I feel pretty comfortable about, about knowledge of stuff that's happened after then, but I'm pretty iffy on my history before then. Um, I know that Sean McDermott is a fantastic coach. I really like the way that he kind of the way, the way he operates and runs the team. I think, especially in the league now, we're so offensive minded. I think it's really interesting to see a defensive-minded head coach has so much continual success. And you, you kind of see it with a guy like, you know, Brandon Staley, who's still pretty aggressive, but, you know, he doesn't really have the ability to or has not shown that he's willing to take control of the offense and kind of set their principles and their identity the way that Buffalo has, even with Brian Dayball leaving. Um, and I just looked it up. It's Leslie Frazier is their defensive coordinator. So you got two major defensive minds working that defense right now. Yeah, yeah, and um, yeah, you know they're still, you know, as I said, they're still quite an aggressive team, and I think they're kind of a team that has done it the right way, and really, and then of course you always need a quarterback. That's that's kind of, that's just like how it is in the league, right? You you need a quarterback, but you know they started off with a very broad prospect. They they let him kind of do it in his own time. They let him start, and you know, there wasn't wasn't that much pressure on him to be immediately, you know incredibly successful the same way that uh, a Trey Lance was or a Jordan Love was but he you know he developed in his own time and he's you know probably the best quarterback in the league right now right next to Mahomes um and it's 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 really interesting because they kind of built it all the way from the ground up I mean they, those Bills teams late in the mid 2010s were awful man I think we all you know there's basically a, a free win for everyone else in the division oh I don't think they've been good since probably the late 90s <laughs> when was Flutie there? Ninety nine, something like that. Two thousand. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, I think it's really you know awesome what. Watch. Here's a blast from the past. Just looking at this because I was kind. I wanted to know who the offensive coordinator was, and I forgot about him throwing the tantrum in the booth. But it's Ken Dorsey, and talk yeah. about a blast from the past. You know that guy was out of. I think it was Miami. 
<clears throat> the universe or Miami to university or university of Miami, however you want to put it. And he was supposed to be a top notch guy and ended up being a bust in the NFL. But it's amazing how some of these guys can go from being nothing in the NFL to being, you know, a, a successful mm-hmm. offensive coordinator, but it just helps that Josh Allen has a guy that can work with him because he's played that position. And, you know, that was the big thing on Josh Allen coming out was, you know, he had the big arm, but he had no accuracy. And he and I know a lot of them knocked him because he was coming from such a small school, uh, Wyoming. So it, it's kind of like taking Trey Lance because they're tiny schools yeah. and you're just trying to uh, get the potential. They have all the potential, but they have no refinement. But I. Like I said, Buffalo is a team that if you're going to do a rebuild, you got to you got to sit in you got to sink in for a while. Rebuilds just don't happen overnight. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of these other teams, Miami, Miami's kind of made a turnaround. Jacksonville's kind of made a turnaround. They don't just happen overnight. Uh uh what's another one? Arizona, but Arizona keeps buying their players. Uh, I guess that's the way you got to do it is you just got to trade everything in the world and not worry about the draft anymore. Yeah, I, th- I think, so, I mean, obviously there's a lot of different ways to do it. And to be honest, I really like the way that Gutekunst has done it, at least prior to this year oh, in a lot of ways. but if you ask Twitter, he's the worst GM ever. Which I still don't understand. He like Quickly, I just want to say, he basically you know, entirely rebuilt this roster in the span of, what, two years to be one of the best rosters in 2020 and 2021. But anyway, getting ahead of myself. You know, he he, he lo- can't. Again, Twitter says he can't draft for nothing. Just look yeah. at his 2020 draft. <laughs> and look how shitty the draft picks are playing this year from his draft. They, he, he can't draft. Oh, he's horrible, yeah. <laughs> a team like, even like the Eagles, right? They, you know, they, I think they kind of got – they became super good a little bit earlier than they really expected to in 2017. And when they won it all, you know, I think there was kind of that, you know, that – a little bit of a hangover and they didn't fully make it all the way back. And, you know, they did a bit of a soft rebuild Jalen hurts and kind of retooling that offense. And, you know, that was five years ago already. And now they're back to being one of the really, really good teams. And we're still with a very aggressive mindset, Howie Roseman, but you know, they, they still draft and they don't just like Arizona. I think Arizona is the absolute worst way that you could run a team. You know, they, they lucked into Kyler Murray and, you know, they, they, they did continually buy these players and, give them horrible contracts and i still i don't understand how steve kime is still the general manager and how he got an extension and how <laughs> how cliff kingsbury got an extension like it's just like they're just so happy to continually just be mundane and so like so just like mediocre you know like they have success at the start of the season but no one no one believes that like no one really thought that the undefeated cardinals were going to win it all i mean let's be honest no, but it's every, you know, like they say, any given Sunday, it, anything can happen. You just were talking about the Eagles team. Well, yeah, they they tooled up, but who would have thought they would have won it? What you say, 2017? I, I yeah. can't even remember that far back. Um, it, so it just, it, it can happen. Look at the Packers team in 2010, 2011. Who would have thought they would have made a run to the Super Bowl? They they were not playing that great, but they played well enough to get to where they needed to be. And then they lucked out because of, a, you know, Deshaun Watson or not Deshaun Watson. Jeez. You can see how my mind is off. Uh, Deshaun <laughs> Jackson returns a punt that shouldn't have been 
kick to him for a touchdown. And that's yeah. what helped the Packers get into the wild card. So yeah. I, it, it, any given Sunday, something could happen. You know, who knows? The Packers could go on a run for the rest of the season and do what they did in 2010 and take it all the way to the Super Bowl. I don't see it happening, but it's possible. It's possible. Anything is possible. Yeah. And I think the the you know, as we talk about kind of, you know, these teams that are kind of surprising us, I just want to kind of, <laughs> I want to talk about the biggest surprise of the week for me, you know, as with the trade, dead, trade deadline coming up, you know, we kind of see a few of these trades going around, you know, um, like if Robbie Anderson, who I know, I know that you're an incredibly big fan of and you wanted on the team oh, so yeah. desperately. I've gotten into um, so many arguments with people over that, that guy. <laughs> but um, I just want to quickly talk about the Christian McCaffrey trade. I mean, from my perspective, as someone who, you know, I like, like I mentioned earlier on the show, you know, I think we're, we're currently, currently in a league where their running backs are, are kind of becoming a bit more valuable and the run game is coming more important like this year especially but like if you're the 49ers why why are you trading that much for christian mccaffrey like i don't i don't i don't get it so much basically because of uh and my mind is forgetting the word of it but reputation you know he was a big star it was kind of like the rams trading for guys like vaughn miller and stuff like that you know, player recognition. And when he's healthy, he's still a heck of a player, but, you know, the injury bug's hurting him. Um, I remember when he came out, I said, I, I, I really worry about him. I know he's built like a shit, uh, brick shit house, but, you know, he's small. He's short. Mm-hmm. He's small. He had a big frame, but he had a small body. And I know that's a complete oxymoron, but it's the truth. You know, he's what, five, nine, maybe 200 pounds. And I said, what's going to hurt him is his durability. Well, for the first few years of his career, he kind of made me a liar, but now it's starting to hurt him. It's starting to take its toll on him. And, you know, I guess 49ers, well, a lot of teams need playmakers right now, but the 49ers <laughs> are willing up, willing to give up the draft picks for him. And I don't think Carolina is going to say no for what they got for him. So absolutely, if I think if you're yeah, if you're Carolina, you take that deal any day of the week. I mean, look, so they got the I got it here. They 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 traded, you know, they they got a Carolina got a second, a third, and a fourth round draft pick and a future fifth, which is like I don't I don't like get it. Like the 49ers have always been known for slotting in you know random people just guys they find off the practice squad who are in their own right very skilled and you know great athletes but Shanahan knows how to elevate these players and, you, know, like, you know three years ago Raheem Mostert running all over us no one thought or considered Raheem Mostert to be one of the premier backs in the league but the way that they used him and took advantage of his speed and you know some of his vision it's like the, like, the, the Shanahan knows how to do this. I don't understand why you're dumping resources, valuable resources, into a running back who's almost always injured. And granted, very skilled, but yeah, not available all the time. And I think next year they only have like one draft pick. It's a fifth rounder. Like, what, like what are we? What are we doing here? I wonder if it's because they're trying to compensate for not having a quarterback that's worth a damn. Mm. Oh, definitely. I think mean, you, you watch these games and. You know, I think I mentioned this a while ago. Like Jimmy has 
a, probably a higher floor than Trey Lance. So he might be a kid who kind of stops them from losing some of these games in some circumstances, but he's just so limited in his physical ability and, you know, he's not as, as mobile and he's, you know, like we know what he is. You're not getting any more than what you have already gotten. And as I said before, this is a league where you need a quarterback to win and, you know, he can win you some games, but you're not, you're not running your offense through Jimmy G. You're running it in spite of Jimmy G. I think you just need a competent quarterback. I mean, you, you can't just throw any kind of quarterback out there. It, and I don't see Jimmy G as a competent quarterback. Yeah, he's got he's got the ability to throw, and he's got the ability to you know do whatever. But he's not the type of guy that can go out there and read a defense and throw a guy open he's gonna hit most most likely he's just gonna hit the open guy that he sees if he sees him i i mean we've talked about this before but i mean even like seattle who in the hell would have thought geno smith would have come (laughs) out and played like he did the guy was basically out of the league a couple years after he was drafted now he's had now he's starting and winning games for the seattle seahawks yeah so uh, they've just got to have it's got to be a good mix of competency and coaching jimmy g plays in the most quarterback friendly offense in the entire league i mean shanahan does half this stuff for him it's kind of like watching mcveigh run the offense for jared goff you know four years ago and think what kind of system it is Ouch. <laughs> Who else runs a system like that? <laughs> yeah. But yet we don't have a quarterback that'll buy into the damn system. Yeah. Yes, yeah. rants are coming one way or the other, whether Nick likes it or not. <laughs> um, yeah, I definitely agree. And I think on, on topic of Aaron Rodgers, the very last thing I kind of want to just talk about very briefly. We probably should talk about the trade deadline since it's a little over a week away exactly. from yeah. this recording. Yeah, so you know, yeah, exactly. With with this like with the trade deadline coming, I want to talk about you know who should the Packers be targeting, if anyone at all. And this this has been coming increasingly popular among some of the talking heads on Packers Twitter. Should the Packers be selling at the deadline? What do you think, Joe? We kind of talked about this a little bit before we started recording. I don't think the Packers have the assets to be able to sell right now. Theoretically, you'd if you were going to do a true sell, you'd get rid of Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. Excuse me, sorry about that. I'm getting. A, <laughs> I'm going to pull a page out of Matt Ramage. I'm getting a little gassy. Um, <laughs> but uh, theoretically, you'd sell Aaron Rodgers, but I don't know if his contract allows it. Aaron Jones, maybe. I mean, he's been a hell of a playmaker. I'm sure there's a market for him. I would have said the Jets, but they just traded for James Robinson from Jacksonville. Uh, And, you know, the sad thing is, is in the league that we are right now, you can get a running back basically off the street. But then again, seeing what the Panthers got for McCaffrey, it makes you wonder what the Packers could get for Jones. They really don't have a receiver they can move on from. Amari, I know a lot of people want to get rid of Amari, but I who's he's trading not for gonna, him? 
Right, who's trading for him and who's going to actually give up a worthwhile draft pick for him. You're not going to give up your offensive line because that's what you build around in a rebuild. I mean, they're all young other than Bakhtiari, but you're not going to get rid of him because it doesn't. it's not fiscally uh, responsible to do because there's too much dead money and it doesn't save enough money. But you're young. I mean... I mentioned this one time and Nick kind of got offended by it, but you could <laughs> do Elton Jenkins. You know, he's in the last year of his contract. Mm. So, I mean, if you were going to sell, that would probably be the guy to do it. He's 27, 26, something like that. He was a little bit older when the Packers drafted him. So, I mean, you, he would be a th- theoretical target. I mentioned this earlier to somebody else, but I could see them doing what they did with HaHa and moving Darnell Savage. Yes, that's what he's, I was going to mention too. He's just not been the player that they hoped for, and that's kind of weird because I I really liked him coming out of college. I yeah. like that. <laughs> here you go, prognosticator Joe here. I really liked the Darnell Savage <laughs> way more than I did the Rashawn Gary pick, and now look what's going on with it. <laughs> um. Tunyon, but you're not going to get anything out of him because he's coming off the injury and he's not really producing as well as you would hope. And defensive side, Kenny Clark. Are you really going to sell out Kenny Clark, though? Uh, Lowry, but you're not really going to get anything out of Lowry. You just re-signed Jair for a hefty amount of money. You re-signed Razul Douglas for a hefty amount of money. You're not going to move on from Eric Stokes because you just drafted him last year. You just re-signed Devon Drake Campbell for a lot of money. You're not going to get rid of Quay Walker because you just drafted him this year. I, I mean, I, I'm going through all the players on in my head, and there's just nobody that you could really move. Jordan Love, I guess, but who's going to give up anything for him? I mean, I guess the Colts are kind of begging for quarterbacks <laughs> right now, but you know, it all it all comes down to compensation. And if the Packers don't think it's the right compensation, they're not going to do it. But I just I know we're talking theoretically right now, but I just don't see the Packers selling no matter what. Now, if it comes down to the end of the year and we're looking at you know six and what six and ten, six and eleven. Then I think they could start selling off some assets at the end of the year, but I just not before this deadline, unless it's like a move to get rid of Darnell Savage and bring in somebody else. You know, Rudy Ford's kind of played okay in a in what snaps he's made or played. So, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so where I'm at, I think with the situation with like like Packers, I think you really have to split it into kind of two different like scenarios. One where, which is probably what's going to happen, they still believe that they can be something this year. They're still in contention, and you know they're looking to kind of offload some backups or you know like a lower level starter. And I think in that situation, I can definitely see someone like Sean Ryan getting traded. Whether he's just like you know some kind of like hole plugger or like you know some kind of like. De- developmental pace you know they have a lot of kind of guys 
like a lot of these like second and third tier guys kind of just resting in the in the, in the o-line room maybe like a, a caleb jones like for like you know a seventh or something like that i could see that definitely happening in, in, in terms of what, what what reality you know what could probably really happen but yeah well, caleb think... jones you can't because he's on the nfi so all right be able to get moved. um but Sean just, Ryan, I don't think because hmm. it's another one of those that if he was gonna, if he was gonna do it, it was gonna be in the preseason, because that's when you normally make those moves. Nobody's seen enough of him in the regular season to be able to say, hey, you know, maybe we should bring that guy in. You know, give the Packers a seventh round pick and bring him in. Um, I mean, if, if you're desperate enough, or maybe even like you know, again, if you're desperate enough, like a Royce Newman, I would not be surprised. Yeah, if that, that I, happens, I'd sell him know. in a heartbeat. But who's going to give you anything worth wild? That guy. Yeah. Maybe yeah. Maybe maybe, maybe the Jets trade like a future seventh for him, future conditional seventh. Oh, <laughs> well, you know, someone I I you know, if you're going to be really serious about like blowing this thing up, I would trade Rashawn Gary straight away. If if I was looking to seriously blow it up and rebuild. Sean Gary is, you know, getting into contract year. By the time that he kind of really finishes like a three or four year contract in that last year or two, the last year or two of that contract, that, that, you know, by that time, the Packers will only just be becoming competitive theoretically again. And that's, you know, that's a hypothetical. So I think these guys who are kind of on the cusp of an extension are the guys you should really look to move if you're trying to blow it up. And yeah, like, like you said, I hate to admit it, but you're right. And Elton Jenkins would be a really good trade. These guys who are pre-extension, you know, a way to stop you from spending more on this cap implosion that is that is coming no matter what. You know, um, I think Adrian Amos could kind of be a, a, a nice trade piece, someone who needs a safety. Um, you know, I'm, Yeah, but Amos yeah. is getting to that age where I don't know if there's anybody that's going to give you a worthwhile return on him. I mean, for I a mean, fourth, I mean, you know, if you're, if you're I, really I don't even, really I don't think up. you could get a fourth out of him. I really don't. You know, he's getting what he's 30, 29. I think he just turned not, 30. Hey? Yeah. And he hasn't really had the best of years so far this year. I I don't think you'd be lucky to maybe get a, at most a fifth or a conditional sixth. I don't think you're going to get much more than that. And I like Adrian Amos. I'm not saying he's not a good player. I just, I'm trying to think of value. And that's what's so rough about coming up with just pretending we're doing a trade deadline or, you know, selling at the trade deadline because you got to add age and, like you said, kind of contract with it. It's a lot different than in baseball where you're playing 162 games in a year and you can afford to ship out, you know, your top three prospects for a rental guy. Whereas in the NFL, you're shipping out all this stuff for a guy you're going to keep around for five games, six games. And you got to hope he comes in and picks up on your your scheme right away. So it's really hard. I think that's why you don't see a ton of movement on the NFL trade deadline. Yeah, I think, yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, if I'm being totally realistic, like I said, I don't see the Packers really trading for anyone. You know, they might, yeah, they might um, kind of do what they did with Russell Douglas last year, you know, trade for for a relatively unknown guy. Um, maybe maybe we'll be we'll, we'll be lucky enough to have Ty Freifogel on the team. <laughs> yeah, 
but yeah, I, I think mean, they're going to have to do something because right now Lazard's injured, Cobb's injured, Watson's injured, Watkins is whatever. They're running out of guys on the roster that they're going to have to, whether it's <clears throat> make a trade for a second tier guy, bring in a guy off the street, you know, whatever. They're going to have to do something because pretty soon we're going to see Amari Rogers and Samori Toure starting. And I know a lot of people don't want to see that. <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, I think that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, I don't, I don't see the Packers really making any big moves this year. And they can't really afford to anyway. You know, none of these kind of big name guys, I don't think, would realistically make it to this team. That's where I'm at. I think there's one that's been mentioned that I could see possibly <laughs> happening. I mean, I'm like 50-50 on it just because it makes sense. But I think it was Matt Schneiderman that said that Jerry Judy from Denver could be a guy that needed a mm. change of scenery type deal. So for me, I, I go yeah. ahead. If, sorry, for me, if I'm if I'm trading for a guy who's still on rookie contract, there's only one player I'm really looking at, and that's Eli Moore. I think he kind of fits that role perfectly of, you know, filling in for Cobb, expelling Cobb, who's like a really athletic guy and who's played really fantastically, has heaps of potential, but he's been he's been kind of forced into a more outside role. But he's like the prototypical perfect slot receiver inside shifty guy fantastic hands can run good routes you know he hasn't have doesn't have as much experience as a lot of these other players but we're talking about a player who's raw who will stick around and you know has high athletic upside i think that, that he's the kind of guy that would be perfect and you know maybe get a little bit of a family discount from old mikey down there in oh no <laughs> in i'm Jets sure Lane. they would they would hold him up for a king's ransom oh, the jets aren't gonna Joe Douglas is yeah. Joe Douglas knows how to how to rip. That's why I said Jerry Judy from Denver kind of makes sense because I think you could probably get him, maybe not cheap, but you know maybe give up your dreaded third round pick since the Packers seem to never be able to hit in the third round for a guy who's on a rookie contract that really hasn't lived up to his potential but could use a change of scenery. That. <clears throat> that makes sense. I don't see a Chase Claypool coming from Pittsburgh. I don't see DJ Moore coming from Carolina. No. Uh, I mean, there's probably some other guys out there that could probably sneak into it. I'm really surprised the Packers haven't brought Andy and Isabella in for a visit if he hasn't already signed somewhere. Uh, or, I mean, even after he was released, I'm surprised they didn't make a phone call because he would at least have helped out a little bit with the return game. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I really don't like Andy Isabella, so that's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> I, I'm not the biggest fan of him either because he's a small guy, but I right now they need to do something with the return game as much as I... Sure, yeah. I'm not a... I, I won't say I'm a big Amari Rogers supporter. I know it sounds like it when we talk, not just on here, but everywhere else. But I'm not ready to give up on him either because of special teams. Not every guy can be a special teams player. Some of these guys have never seen snaps on special teams because college rosters consist of 100 players that have to get playing time. 
Yeah. So they have enough players that they can have an offense, a defense, and a special teams. So some of these guys have never played it before. And then you throw them in the pros and they have to play it and they don't like it or they can't do it. And I just, I haven't seen enough of Amari on offense to know what he can do. Maybe if he gets some more playing time, some more passes. I thought he looked pretty decent against, and we'll get to the review here in a minute, but I thought he looked a little bit decent in some of the snaps he played against the commanders. If he had, if he had a little bit more link to him, if he was a little bit taller, I think he would have pulled in that third pass or maybe if Rogers would have, you know, not let him so much, he would have had it perfectly because he had it in his hands. He just, it was on his fingertips, but he had some two, he had two decent catches I think I picked the over on my one and a half last week. So I, I was right on that one. Not bad. Not bad at all. Uh, and I almost was to my five Were you get, were you sweating there for a minute? Because he had, <laughs> he caught two, almost caught the third. I thought he was going to get the five. Um, but I mean, like I said, the Packers are going to need bodies one way or the other. I don't think it's going to fr- come from Juwan Winfrey. I really think he's just going to ride out the practice squad the rest of the year unless somebody pops up that the Packers like over him. Torre should be getting some more playing time. He got his first career catch. That was great. But right now it's a walking injury list in that room. So they're going to have to bring some kind of body in to do something. Now's kind of when you wish the the Packers would have looked at Deshaun Jackson last week instead of him ending up in Baltimore. Yeah, well, okay. So, like, while we're here, let's transition. Game review. Yeah, you know. I don't I want think... to spend too much time on it because it was sickening. Gross. Just it was disgusting. Not the greatest. And you they're know, damn least... lucky I don't live in Green Bay because I would have been up there heckling them the whole time <laughs> when they came back. Yeah, as we said, it's this really just Groundhog Day. It's just getting really, uh, really probably not. Old. I love you guys, and you probably kick my ass, so I would probably wouldn't be heckling you too much. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I'll be, I'll be heckling all the way from Australia, so it's all good. Yeah, you're coming. safe. You know, they're not gonna fly the ten thousand miles just to come <laughs> kick your ass. Um, but yeah, that I think... you have a kangaroo. They'd probably your kangaroo'd probably beat their ass. <laughs> Yeah, my my, my Just... kangaroo that I have in the living room. Yeah, <laughs> go ahead. I'm sorry, I keep breaking your thoughts. <laughs> um, well, yeah. So you know, pretty miserable game as you know we kind of kind of become accustomed to this season. Let's start on the positives for once. You know, let's look at the things that are kind of nice. I think I just want to start by mentioning, you know. As much as the old bloody Twitter GMs love to think they they know how to run the team the best, I will say the coaches did what Twitter asked. They changed up the O line drastically. Zach Tom played at left tackle. She found out that morning, and you know the defense obviously not playing the best in the second half. But they did what you all asked for. Jair was trailing Terry McLaurin for most of the game, and he was getting beat. You know, like they, they, they slowly as they are, they are adjusting their play calling. We'll get to that, but the O-line was changed and it paid off. The defense is playing more aggressively. You know, they still have issues of course, but they are 
doing what a lot of people are asking for. And, you know, and when you have your best corner, who is, you know, arguably one of the best three cornerbacks in the league against Terry McLaurin, who is a very skilled, young, talented wide receiver, and Terry McLaurin wins, I mean, you know, <laughs> as a defensive coordinator, you, you placed your bet and you lost. There's not, nothing you can do about it. Well, I'm going to disagree mm-hmm. with you. Because I don't think Jair was necessarily getting beat. I just think uh, Heineke was having the game of his life. There was some of those throws that he was making that Jair had tremendous coverage on, but somehow he was able to get it to the spot that it needed to absolutely. He was threading the needle. And so I, I don't know if Jair was necessarily getting beat. Yeah, he didn't have the greatest of games. But when you've got a guy, I hate to compare the two because completely different circumstances. But the way Taylor Heineke was throwing the ball, you thought he was channeling Brett Favre in the game against the Raiders. Totally agree. Totally agree. Because he was just making these amazing throws to these guys. Who would have thought? Just... I just right now I, I can't even put it into words because I can't believe how amazing some of these throws were coming in, and I, I kind of want to. I, I hate doing it, pat myself on the back, but I kind of called it last <laughs> week where I said that Taylor Heineke was going to be the guy that I was worried about, or Sam Howell was even going to be the guy that I was worried about because Taylor Heineke has the ability. He's just been on a bunch of shit teams, and. He, I said he was a guy that possibly could throw up 400 yards. I don't think he threw 400 yards, but the way, some of the passes he was making, it made you feel like it was 400 yards. But it, so yeah, like I go back to, I, I kind of disagree that Jair was getting beat. I think just some somebody sold their soul to the devil for this game <laughs> and was making some terrific throws. Yeah, I mean, like kind of like I mentioned last week, you know, with Heineke coming in, some of the targets he's not as familiar with, like I mentioned, him and McLaurin have a season's worth of experience together. And I think, you know, you're not wrong. I don't think Jaya was getting, like, absolutely destroyed out there. But in the NFL, it's a game of inches. You know, like we, we they always say that, but it really is. When it comes to being open and being covered, you know, end of the day, Jaya wasn't breaking up any of those passes. And, you know, even like that, that pass, I think it was in the first quarter, kind of Jaya gets beaten by McLaurin, but the ball was just thrown behind him. And Jaya is lucky enough to have that kind of near interception pass deflection thing. And, you know, that, that fade ball and look, it's good coverage. It's tight, but the ball is perfect. And McLaurin is where he needs to be. And yeah, it's just a perfect combination of things. I think we're kind of both right in this scenario. And, um, Segwaying off of that, I want to talk about the players on the defense, like Rasul Douglas. Sensational game. Incredible. He was all over the field. It seems like every second play he didn't called Rasul Douglas, pass breakup. Rasul Douglas dropped dropped interception. You know, he's he's out there recovering that was the fumble. What was, that was what was sick about the game was so many dropped <clears throat> uh possessions. You know, Rasul had what two of them that he could have intercepted mm-hmm. Jair had the oh, one yeah. he could have intercepted Devondre Campbell did have the one interception return for a touchdown amazing game I, I mean too. yeah the defense had again an amazing half but then they disappeared but I 
I mean, you you even said it last week that maybe they should let Quay just Quay Walker just have free game against the quarterback. And what and did they he were do? Doing it. And what did they, he do? They were doing it. Now yeah. he was out of position a couple of times. I think he got home a couple, but didn't. He played a good game, I thought overall. He didn't look bad. He really didn't. I mean, he wasn't like this amazing. You know, he definitely wasn't a stud, but he wasn't horrible either. I think there was a couple of times where he, how how do you want to put it? He kind of tried to juke out the 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 offensive lineman when he should have just ran straight through through him. him. Yeah, and he probably could have had a couple of sacks that game. Um, But he really he really reminds me of um, rookie Devin White. I think I made this comparison before, but he really reminds me of like physicality, of speed, and you know some of the mental limitations early on. But the ability to blitz, the athleticism, he really pops off the tape. And he, like you said, he's a thumper. You know, I think that's kind of how I envision him at the moment. He can really fill in that rookie Devin White role. Yeah, he. I agree, and he's got the speed and everything else. And I think trying to slow him, ease him into being a playmaker will do him wonders and we're kind of seeing that now just give him one job to do and let him do it exactly that's pretty much where he's succeeding at at the moment yeah uh i I mean you get the good and the bad they had a the second half should have not been the way it was but again heineke had a game of his life and there were a lot of bad calls by the refs and you know, on the defense itself, they were getting gouged in plays in the run game. What was it? They gave up 176 yards rushing this game. Am I right on that? I Yeah, I believe so. It was uh, definitely on the higher end, let's say. So, I mean, they were still getting gashed and we're going to have to talk about it. You have at least the two calls that I know of by the refs that yeah I, the one being the illegal contact against uh eric stokes that negated the fumble return for a touchdown that one i i really i i know they kept trying to rationalize it by saying that's what the nfl wants that's what the nfl's emphasizing this year but that was really a bullshit call to be making because there was no way he couldn't make contact to the guy because the guy ran into him. Yeah, for sure. So, and it kind of frustrated me because then later in the game, there was a call that went against the the commanders. I almost wanted to say Redskins. <laughs> uh, but went against the commanders that... Daryl Johnston was all like, oh, well, I don't I don't know how that can be a penalty. You know, it better not be this penalty because this kind of penalty, because the defensive back has a right to be in that spot just as much as the receiver does. It's like, well, that's what Stokes just had. Yeah. He had just as much right being in that spot as the receiver did. The receiver ran into him. He just happened to put his hands up to put him put a block on him and he threw a flag. Now, the play that I'm talking about with Johnston saying that that shouldn't be a penalty, but it was it ended up being a different penalty than what he was thinking it was. It was a hands to the face. But and then the other one is the fumble, not fumble. 
I understand what they were saying, but it didn't make it any more right. And I know we're probably viewing this from uh, green and gold glasses, <laughs> but I I really don't know how that couldn't be a fumble. Yeah, and like I think. Yeah, like I, I don't want to say much more about this than I have to because it makes me quite frustrated. But you know, neither of us are guys that love to blame the refs. But every single week, it seems like we're getting these these absurd calls. And let's be clear: if either of those calls go the Packers' way, they probably win. It's a completely different game, and I Absolutely. don't think Heineke can is going to be doing what he did the rest of the game because the Packers were getting home to him, and I think he would have got rattled. So. I don't know, I, and I agree, you know, but it seems like we do call out the refs every week, even though we try not <laughs> we to. We always, yeah. But they have been. There's been a lot of shit calls, and, you know, but if you ask people on Twitter, you know, Packer fans get all, or Packers get all the calls, and yeah. I don't know. It, I don't have too much more to say about this game because there wasn't much to it. I, I was so frustrated with it that I was glad I one of the rare times I was glad I had to go to work after because I didn't want to sit home and brew about the damn thing yeah yeah I think I think we're both basically done with this game I think everyone knows what happened and what went down I don't think we have much more unique insight besides yikes that was not good And we got the same thing in the press conferences that we've been getting the last three weeks. You know, Aaron Groundhog Jones Day. needs more. Groundhog yeah. Day. Aaron Jones needs more touches. We need to get the ball out of Rogers' hand a little bit quicker. We need to execute better. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. What do we want to talk about now? That I can <laughs> rant on. <laughs> so, you know, we got, like, you know, it was a somewhat close game. But let's talk about the game next week, which I don't imagine is going to be a very close game at all, realistically speaking. But, you know, we, we as a Packer fan, we see them pull these wins out of their ass every year. Somehow, you know, it was, you know, in 2018, it, it, it should have been that Rams, thanks a lot, Ty Montgomery, you know, yeah, last year, we had the Arizona game. I, I think I just, I really want to, I really have that tiny piece of me that thinks we're going to win this Bills game coming up next week. I think it's at Buffalo. And <laughs> yeah, it's going to go one of two ways. The, the the Packers pull it out of their ass and somehow manage to scrape a win or they just get absolutely annihilated to 25, 30 plus points. And I don't think there's going to be any in between, if I'm quite honest. You know what I think they should do? I, I, I really think this is, this should happen to hype up the team. I think LaFleur should put Rodgers through a table. Just, to, <laughs> just you know, because I know that's the Bills Mafia thing. I just think it would be so hype. The team would get right behind it, just slam each other through a table. Uh, yeah. Team building exercises, man. Come on. Exactly. And so, look, I think realistically, both of us know, and we all know, this is probably not going to go well for the Packers. But let's say, in a world... In a world where the Packers somehow managed to pull off this win, how do they do it? Tell me, Joe. Defense. I really think it would have to be defense because they, <laughs> the Bills have the offensive playmakers to just run rampant. I mean, you got 
a former Packer killer, Stephon Diggs. He's a my guy, Dawson Knox. Josh Allen slinging it. They've got a good run game going. Uh, what's the kid uh, that's been basically wide receiver two up there? Uh, Gabriel Davis. Gabe Davis. So, I mean, they've got all the offensive weapons you could ask for. I, I mean, I know they have a hell of a defense too, but I think the way the Packers are going to do it with the way their offense is playing is the defense is going to have to step up and play a full four quarters. I know mm-hmm. that's what we've been asking for week in, week out, but this is the week, if they're going to pull this off, this is the week that they'd have to do it. They're going to have to get home to uh, Allen, rattle him a little bit, stop the run. Playmakers are going to have to make plays. You know, it, that's basically what I see. And no mistakes on special teams. Whether mm-hmm. you put somebody else back there than Amari to... I, I mean, they did do that in this game too. Amari was still fielding punts, but uh, Keyshawn Nixon was taking kickoff returns. So yeah. they were at least making some adjustments. But I just... I, I don't think there's anybody on the team on the current roster outside of like the practice squad on the current roster, that's going to be a, a, that's going to come in and be that uh, return guy. Cause I don't think any of them really have a ton of experience with it. I mean, I think there, Dobbs is, there is a... one guy, there is one guy He's a little bit banged up right now, but there is one guy who was a, an all American kick returner last season in college football. But that's kick <laughs> returns. Was he a punt returner? That's been hey. the big issue. I don't, they're not that different. I'm sure they could learn. <laughs> well, they must be that different if they've if uh, you got Keyshawn Nixon returning kicks, but he's not returning punts. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, but then again, you got to get the guy healthy. I if he, it's hard to say. Yeah, plug him into it if he can't get on the field. So that's what I mean. I mean, they've got a couple of guys on the practice squad that have some experience doing that stuff, but I I really don't, I'm surprised and well, I am, but I'm not, but I'm kind of curious that with as much struggles as they've had, they don't throw Jair back there because Jair had a ton of return experience in college. Yeah. I mean, also probably not ideal, but yeah, I think it's not I'm, ideal, but it's better than having six out of seven punts being fumbled. <laughs> not wrong. I think yeah, I'm right there with you. I think this is like a game that would be will be won on defense if at all. I think you know, like this, this can't be a week where you know if you're not if if your piss isn't hot for this game, when is it ever going to be hot? You know what I mean? Like this is this is the well, game. I mean, man. This uh, is the season. No kidding, and. You know, you got to make sure you have all gas and you don't use that damn brake. Rip, rip, rip off the brake. Yeah, no, no, just cut the brake line straight up. It's going to accelerate yeah. into the stadium through straight the walls. Through, right through that table. <laughs> right through that table. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm trying my hardest to get hyped up about this game. And, you know, the Packers love to play down to these teams, but they also love to play up. And that's really what I'm banking on. I think, yeah, like, you know, Aaron Rodgers, he... You know, maybe this is the game where he finally clicks. You know, we've seen him. We've seen him make these throws once or twice a game. You're like, how the hell did he just do that? Where, where did he pull that out from? Where, where has that been? And the rest of the game, he's just you know missing flat routes by like three yards. I, you know, if if you know, this is a game that if they do win, 
it's going to require a little bit of hero ball. As much as I hate to admit it, he's going to need to make some really amazing throws. You can't you can't live on these bubbles and these RPOs your entire life. You need to have some big play action. You need to have some some you know vertical wins. You need to have something more than Ben Roethlisberger playing Matt Canada's offense last year. You know you can't you can't just live like that. Well, that's what makes and kind of, and I know you didn't want any more rants on this, but I'm going to do it anyway. Go that's that's kind of where I think that Rodgers is making it up at the line because you can't tell me that Lafleur's calling all these RPOs and all these bubble screens and shit like that when Lafleur's offense is more you know, get the tight end involved, get, get these end rounds, get some of, you know, open up the deep pass, you get the run game going. That way you can get the deep pass going, get the play action going. You can't tell me that he's calling all, all these RPOs and bubble screens. Well, I think, I don't think, no, I think he definitely calls them, but I think a lot of the time Rogers opts out of a lot of the run options. And I think, so the Shanahan system has not traditionally been a very RPO heavy system. It's more of a play action based system. But, you know, when 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 you have Devante Adams, you know, that was kind of the situation that they had. The the way that they manipulated defenses was they would either, you know, if, if they if they had him in the slot and he wasn't immediately covered on a man, they would throw the ball to him instantly. And if someone was pressing him, they would check out to someone else or Devante would just show up to beat them anyway. You know, I think they, they, they ran a lot of very similar stuff because they had the luxury of being able to do it well with Devante. Now that he's gone and they're trying to survive on these screens and you know, Romeo Dobbs is good, but he's not, he's not Devante Adams. No one is. It's, I think you're, you're seeing these problems highlighted so much more. And I think the complete absence of play action this year is what's really strange to me. Because we are seeing a lot of this gadgety stuff that has been missing kind of these last couple of years. But now it's just the gadgety stuff. and It's just the bubble screens. And it's just the quick passes. And when you well, have the, well, the long you know passes, it's it all the, incomplete. You, you know what opens up the play action, right? <laughs> I mean, it's called a it, run it depends. Game. It it's called what. give the damn ball to Aaron Jones and let him run it. Then the defense <laughs> sneaks up to protect the run, and then you hit all day long with that damn play action. But until you get more than nine carries in a game, it's not going to happen. I hate to be that guy, but according to the analytics, it's not necessarily true. <laughs> it is true. Why do you think they're not using it? I don't care about analytics. You you take your PFF and stick it in your ear for all I care. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, think about it. That's what opens up the play action is you get the defense to bite on the run to open up the play action down the field. Well, if you're not run, and even if you're not going to run the play action, the run game still opens up the pass game because they've got to defend one or the other. And it's a guessing game, which one you're going to run that, that next play. Well, when you're only giving your running backs nine carries in a game, that's not opening up the pass game. That's basically the defense saying, all right, well, we're going to cover your guys. Now you got to figure out how to get beat us. Yeah, I think there's also a lot of problems just in regards to like individual coaching of the position groups in this team. He's like, someone posted a clip today of not, maybe not ultra super obvious from a broadcast view, but a lot of the times, especially the rookies, Dobbs and Watson, they kind of give 
clues in the way that they set up and the way that they, they, they get out of their break as to whether they're blocking or running a route. And that is like really, really bad. That is so shit. Like you can't, in, in the offense where you have not that much to work with, you can't be keying off to the defender what you're doing. You need to be, you know, the whole, the whole principle and the foundation of this Shanahan, the floor McVay offense is that, Everything looks the same. You don't know what they're running because they all look the same. You run a lot of different players out of the same formation. Everyone, you know, you, you just have no idea what's happening, but it all looks the same. It doesn't work if you're not even trying to run a route when you're supposed to be selling this kind of play action fake out, you know, like it's, it's just, there is a lot wrong with kind of the way they're running this at the moment. And that's why I said, I wonder if a lot of it goes back to Rogers. I mean, Rodgers isn't isn't coaching the receivers, though. He's not coaching the receivers, but when you're not helping your receiver, working with your receivers, then, you know, how do you get into a rhythm? Yeah, but I'll say that. A lot of the things, like, yeah, like, the, the, the receivers do have genuine limitations, and I think that like, it is important to remember that. And, like, Dobbs is good, but I don't think he's just quite ready yet. At least well, from what we've seen so far, he's not ready to kind of take on that full wide receiver two role. But I do, I I do agree with you. I fully admit though. that it, I, the front out, uh, the front office did screw up a little bit, thinking they could rely on Alan Lazard and Randall Cobb to be the top guys, and the and <laughs> Sammy Watkins to be the top guys on the the depth chart, and then fill in with rookies. But you know, this is the the back to back MVP. This is a guy who should be able to make or break wide receivers. And so far, he's looked like crap. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's why I said I don't like to put it all on coaches. I'm not saying they're not at fault. But I think a lot of I think it's an even split between coaching and Rodgers. Yeah, sure. And I think at least next next week. Bakhtiari better be playing, I swear to God. Um, but then know. again, you know, even if he doesn't, they had a hell of a offensive line against the commanders. I mean, you were supposed to look up the stat. Did you ever do it? It's like they had 26 pass protections, no pressures when one hit or one pressure and no hit. I believe, it was, I believe it was the F, uh, 45 and yeah. Yeah, one, one, one pressure and zero hits or something like that. Yeah, and all the guys on the line graded out 75 and higher. Except uh, Elton Jenkins, as far as pass protecting anyway. So, I mean, it just... I know we're all getting tired of the Bakhtiari thing, but, you know, this guy's had a traumatic knee injury, and I think they said in the, you know... I think Rappaport reported on this that there are days Bakhtiari wakes up yeah. and his knee feels perfect, but then there's days he wakes up and the knee is just horrible. Yeah. Well, until he gets back into condition and shit like that, I, I see this being ongoing. Now, it's going to piss a lot of people off because he's a high contract. <clears throat> Excuse me, but you're going to have to live with it. I mean, next year you could probably reevaluate and cut ties if you had to. But, you know, when he's been in and played, he's played great. 
But, you know, you take the good with the bad, you know. It is what it is. Okay, so I want to take this opportunity to segue into our our guys for this week. And as you said, you know, I think that Zach Tom was a good replacement for him last week. But, you know, who's lining up at the edge for the Bills and who loves to eat up rookie tackles? Von Miller. And he has barely lost a step. I mean watch this guy play you this could have been him three or four years ago out there i mean it's unreal it's he's just you know he's still dipping under defenders faking them out like you know they they go to reach out to grab him and poof dust he's he's already sacked the quarterback he um this you know this the main reason why i really hope that bakhtiari is out there is because on the other side you have josh nyman and he's a he, he was good at tackle but he's not that elite high-level pass protector who's going to stop Von Miller from eating Aaron Rodgers' lunch. I mean, it's it's going to be a brutal game on the edge. And I think this O-line is really a key that I'm watching. To, it's kind of, if, if we do, hypothetically, if we do win, my guy for this week is Yosh Nyman. And, you know, like I said, I don't think that he has shown the ability to be a high-end pass protector against a, a quick, twitchy, slippery guy like like Von Miller, you know, TJ Watt, Miles Garrett, they, 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 of course, they're very twitchy and very fast, but not in the same way that a Von Miller is. I mean, Von Miller is a one in, once in a lifetime type athlete and Josh Nyman is a big physical guy and he's, he is an athletic guy, but I don't think that he really has the ability to keep up with, up with someone like Von Miller. And it's really interesting to watch that play out in this game. And for me, if, if, if we do end up, you know, our offense does end up kind of sputtering. I think that's going to be a big reason why, because the edge talent they have, even behind him, you know, our AJ Epineza and, you know, inside they have Ed Oliver and, you know, even the linebackers, Matt Milano is playing fantastic this year, you know, and uh, the, the, the rookie Gregory, Gregory Rousseau, he, you know, like um, these, these are all players that can threaten us on the edge and on in the tackle position. So, that's my little, my little rant about the O-line and how much I love the way Von Miller has been playing this year. Okay, well, this is about the time that I say something that comes true for the next week. So I'm going to put cool. my... <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm going to put my pro- prognostication glasses back on. And, you know, it, it was... the You know, this past week, it was Taylor Heineke. The week before, it was... Uh, Oh, I don't even remember what it was the week before. That was the Bailey Zappi? Jets. Or, oh, yeah, sorry. No, that was the Jets game. Um, but, yeah, Zappi. Uh, and then there was something with the Giants game, too. But, you know, everything's kind of running together right now. But I, I know Yash is your guy this week. But I wonder if Bakhtiari plays with as well as Zach Tom held up. I wonder if... Bakhtiari plays and they put Tom at right tackle. But I don't know. Why would they do that over Yosh Nyman though? I don't know, but I, I it just <laughs> makes me wonder if they, they would let Yosh... Because uh, Lafleur said in his press conference that the reason Yosh didn't play left tackle was because he practiced at, practiced at right all week. And he didn't want to throw Yash's Yash off, so I wonder if they'll have Yash as depth. So if Bakhtiari can't finish the game, 
he can slot right in at left tackle. The thing is, Zach Tom, he was good, but he also got a lot of help. Similar to like how they treated Josh Nyman early last year, he was good in limited reps by himself, but they didn't leave him out on the island by himself. Zach Tom, of course, it's his first start in his career. I don't expect him to be David Bakhtiari, but he still got a lot of help, a lot of chips, kind of, you know, like help from Elsa Jenkins right next to him. You know, they made it easy for him, and they're not going to have that luxury in this game against a good Bills defensive front. Yeah, but Yash also had a couple of penalties against him in this last game. So, I mean, it's, yeah, that's you true. know, it, it, it's a it's a coin flip either way. <clears throat> but like I said, the, the reason I'm saying this is what sticks in my mind is the floor said Yash would have played left tackle had it not been for him practicing at right tackle all week. So it makes me wonder if they'll leave him at left tackle in case Bakhtiari can't go. Then you have Yash, who you know is held up at left tackle, take the left tackle spot. And then put Zach Tom over at right tackle and give him the help if he needs help. Right. Yeah, I I get what you're saying. Um yeah, I mean, it's really hard to, to tell at the moment with this O-line group. I mean, it, it could be anything, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. But, um, yeah, it's going to be hard to predict. I suppose I've struggled with trying to pick somebody to be a, my guy because right now I just can't get into the game. <laughs> I Like I keep telling people, and I tweeted this a couple of times, but with the way my Iowa Hawkeyes are playing – and the way the Packers are playing, I'm about ready to just punt on the 2022 season and look ahead to the 2023 season. So I, I really struggle at thinking about who I'm watching for the next week when I can't even get into the game to be invested in that game. Um, so I did finally put down Eric Stokes just to see how See if that call is going to bug him. Mm. Is he going to change up his play style because of that one bad call? Or is he going to have the short-term memory that you hope your cornerback does? <clears throat> so I, I, that's going to be interesting, especially going against uh, Josh Allen. You would think with the way things have been going the last few weeks, you're going to have Jair following Stefan Diggs all over the field. And then having Razul and Stokes cover whoever else, you know, whether it be Gabe Davis or whoever else. Dawson Knox. I I really think you're going to have Quay or Devondre on Dawson. Maybe. (laughs) Maybe smatter in a little bit of Amos. I think Knox is a bit of a longer guy, a little bit of like a kind of slightly more athletic tight end. I, I really hope, at the very least, I hope it's not Quay because I think he would get absolutely dusted. I don't know. I really don't because that's hard to say because I, I, as much as I like to say our corners are physical, Packers have always struggled against bigger athletic tight ends 
so I don't know if they'd be able to be as physical with him as they would hope. So that's why I kind of think they might throw like a safety or, you know, one of the linebackers on him. But hmm. I, yeah. I really do think that I'm going to keep an eye on Stokes just because I want to see how he rebounds from that that terrible call. Yeah. Well, and with that, do you want to get into your over and unders to finish the preview for this game? No, I really don't because <laughs> I'm, I'm being Debbie Downer this week, but I suppose for the content, I will. Um. <laughs> I keep leaving this one on here, and I think this number keeps dropping every week. I think it started from like 15 carries, then it dropped to 13 carries, and now I'm at 12 and a half carries for Aaron Jones. And the worst part is that it's always been under, and I <laughs> laugh every week because it's so low, but it just keeps getting lower. <laughs> and I hate that I'm still going to probably hit the under here. <laughs> yeah i mean look yeah i'm gonna have to hit the under i think maybe he hits 12 the optimist in me says that he gets 12 carries because he's too busy catching pop passes and screens and he's you know running around the field and doing other stuff which he did play a lot of a lot more receiver i noticed this past week but i'm gonna say he hits 12 under if the Packers have any shot at winning it needs to be over mm -hmm. and if I could say push I would probably push and take 12 and a half I'm going to go I'm going to be optimistic I'm going to say over but it's only going to be like 13 carries yeah yeah well exactly right. I'd be like right on the line um, what's your next one um, let's go with, uh, normally I stick with pure Packer ones, but I'm going to go a little different and go with a Buffalo one. I'm going to say 200 yards for Josh Allen. Is this rushing? <laughs> <laughs> no, we're going to go passing, passing yards, 200 yards for Josh Allen or 200 and a half or however you want to put it. I'm going to say over just because that's who they are. I think the Bills generally don't like to lean on their running game. And I think they, they'll they they'll get their rushing yards through Allen maybe, or, you know, not, I don't see them running the balls heaps against this team, even though that's how you probably beat this team. And I think, again, I think that Josh Allen has been the best quarterback in the league this year. So I have no issue with him getting 200 yards. I probably should set it a little bit higher, but I was being optimistic because, like you mentioned earlier, the Packers have been playing the pass pretty well. Yeah. So I'm going to say over, but I don't think it's going to be by much. Really? Just being optimistic because I, I think the Packers are going to come out and play the pass well, and then the Bills are going to adjust and hit the run because the Packers have committed too much to the pass. I, I could say it going either way. Like I said, Sean McDermott is a really smart coach and I love the way they operate this offense. It just happens that to be <laughs> the best way they, they run it is through guys like Diggs and Gabe Davis and Dawson Knox. and Yeah. 
What's your last one to finish up? Yeah, I'm only going to pick one more this time. I'm not going to cheat like I have every other episode. <laughs> Following the rules and for once. <laughs> this one is going to... I, I'm the ultimate rule breaker. Don't don't tell me that. Um, I, I hate to say this, but this is the Rodgers we've had so far this year. 150 and a half passing yards for Aaron Rodgers. You're not wrong. I think I think over, but not by much. I think he probably hits about like one eighty, or if depending on how they use Aaron Jones, if they if they count that as his his passing yards, I can see him hitting, see him hitting like two thirty, but not by much. I think I still have to say over. If I wanted to be optimistic, I would say that. And if we go back to our theoretical talk on the Packers winning the game, I would take over. Mm -hmm. However, (laughs) I'm not feeling too optimistic with the passing game just because we don't know who's going to be playing wide receiver. Yeah. We don't know if Watson's going to be back. We don't know if Watkins is going to be healthy enough. We know Cobb's not going to be in. Then you've got Torre, you got Dobbs, you got Amari. No win free unless they sign him to the active roster, which I just, at this point in the season, I don't see him. He's dropped way too many, and I just, I think Rodgers' yeah. love affair is over with him. <laughs> so unless they make a move within the next couple of days, I would say under, but not by much. I think it might be that 150 right on the dot. And hopefully you get about 90 yards out of Aaron Jones and hopefully like another 60 out of Dylan. Yeah. And if Christian Watson is healthy enough, maybe a couple of end arounds to him. Three touchdowns in one quarter. I see it happening. Sure. <laughs> That's my be guy. The only score they'll have all year, or I mean, all game. Yeah, and uh, yeah, that, that's about all I have for the game. Unless you got more to say, Joe? No, not about the game. But do look forward to the next episode because we will have a special guest. Absolutely, unless they cancel on us in the last minute. <laughs> <laughs> Secret special guest for all the listeners who I'm sure are avidly listening. Ready to tune All in. All five week. of you out there, we love you. It's growing. Five of you. It's growing <laughs> slowly but surely. It's growing. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that's going to be all from us this week, guys. Um, as we said, tune in for the guest next week as we cover the Packers' triumphant, surprising win over the Bills, asserting themselves back into the mix in the NFC. I'm sure this is going to happen, and I'm definitely not covering for my feelings of despair. <laughs> now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. All five of our listeners out there. I, I think you would agree with me. If the Packers win, Nick has to go through a table. <laughs> yeah, so that means yeah, you got to think... will it to happen. you got to will the Packers to win this game so Nick goes through a table. Hey, I'm not sure if Joe has, has the will to do that, but I'm definitely still Captain Optimistic over here in this corner. <laughs> I, there's no way I'm going through the table. I'm old and I have a bad back. So <laughs> you're young. You're taking it. If the Packers win... Nick Gregory is going through a table. 
you heard it here first. I'll do it. I'll find a way. Um, yeah. And as always, guys, you can always find us on Twitter at Outback underscore Packers. And personally, me at Nicholas GRGR and at Iowa underscore Joe 86. Until next time, see you later.